Well, good morning. And you are looking at the answer to David's question. <laughs> How bottom in the barrel do you have to get <laughs> when you get me for your, for your preacher? The only saving grace I have is I know there's two other pastors in this building. So I don't know what that's saying about you, Steve, or you, Ethan, but um, I guess I should say I'm glad to be standing here. <laughs> um, when Justin asked me to do this for him, preach for him today, I said, all right, I got some... I got some ideas in my head, rolling around in my head. He said, no, I'm gonna tell you what to preach on. <laughs> okay, so we will be um, in Colossians, just following along where he left off. We have much to be uh, thankful for this morning, much to pray about this morning. Mainly that, that, that little Sophia grows up to look like her mama and not her daddy. Um, so before we do anything, let's go to our God in prayer. Father God, it is a privilege to be known by you. And God, you know us fully, and you still love us fully. Not many people who could truly see me fully for who I am would choose to love me fully, God. But you do, and you love us all that way, and we thank you for that. We thank you for um, our pastor and his family. We thank you for their precious new baby. And God, we pray for um, physical healing for Rachel. And God, um, that, that the, the little baby would just grow quickly and rapidly and healthy. And um, Father God, we pray for our team that's going to um, Kentucky, the youth. God, help them to understand that they're not going up there just to laugh and play and have fun, which they will, but God, help them go up there to experience you on a new level and come back and apply what they learn in their life. Uh, Father God, we, we could just pray for all the missionaries and ministries that are affiliated with this church, and God, we do collectively now, but um, I'm just thankful to be a part of a church with so many to pray for. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 1, we will start in verse 24. And we will try to uh, get through verse 29. Now, two things I hope that I can promise you is I'm not as long-winded as Justin. And I hope I'm better looking than him. So um, we, will, we will try to get through verse 24 through 29. I'm going to read all of those right now. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the body. Now that sounds like an uh, odd statement right there, but don't let it confuse you. That is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God known fully, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, uh, warning and teaching everyone with him, 
uh, with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. And we do pray the blessings over the reading of God's word. Now, we want to look uh, this morning at some of the different aspects of Paul's ministry outlined uh, for us in verses 24 through 29. But let's very quickly remember the last part of the verse 23 that says this. The gospel, this gospel has, pro- has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. So we need to ask yourself this morning, I need to ask you, I need to ask me, um, have we made the decision to really and truly become a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ? A truly, fully sold out servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verses 24 through 29 give us a good outline of what truly being a sold out servant of the gospel might very well look like for you and I. And don't get excited about that too quickly. Uh, Let's read verse 24. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. Now I have to stop right here and admit that if I'm going to try to convince someone to become a sold out servant of the gospel, I don't think this would be my opening sentence. Paul's choice of words here seem very much like an oxymoron. How can one find joy in suffering? And if we actually are willing to suffer, if we really are, are we willing to actually suffer for others and not only ourselves? A very real aspect of Paul's ministry that is that he suffered for his sake, for Christ's sake, and for others' sake. Are you still willing to be a servant of the gospel, knowing that this kind of suffering might very well be awaiting for you? If you are brave and said yes to that question, then let's ask ourselves this. Where is the joy in our lives? Another real aspect is that although Paul was suffering, he had joy. He had real joy. Many people today who say they are Christians have lost their joy and are living defeated lives. They mope around sad, unhappy, and discouraged. You might be feeling that way right now. You very well could. And you might say to me that I I surely just don't understand your circumstances. And you know what? You would be right. I don't. But what about Paul's circumstances? Do you fully understand them? Listen to 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28. This is talking about Paul, by the way. It says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Now, do you understand Paul's circumstances? And we could stop there, but let's proceed. Five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Now, 40 was supposed to kill a man, so they gave him 39 five times. Now do you fully understand Paul's circumstances? But let's go on. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in dangers from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. 
I have known hunger and thirst, and I have gone without food. I have been cold, and I have been naked. Besides everything else, I face the, the pressure, the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. So, what's your excuse? What's my excuse? No, I don't understand your circumstances. But I don't have to understand your circumstances. These were Paul's circumstances, and yes, in all of this, he rejoiced. How can that be? How can that be? Your joy and my joy should not be dependent upon our circumstances. Our joy should be directly related to and with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you sad, discouraged, unhappy this morning? Quit focusing on your circumstances to change and start focusing on your relationship with Jesus. Paul knew that humility was a good way to generate joy, possibly more than anything else. Paul realized that he deserved nothing because of what Jesus had done for him. He considered it a privilege to suffer and even to die for his Savior. Now this last part of verse 24 can be a little confusing if we don't understand it. Now before I say anything, and I will just read that, that last part, it says, it says, For you I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. So um, before I say anything, let me say that, the, that in no way is this saying that Jesus is lacking in any way, shape, form, or fashion. That's not what this is saying. Jesus is not lacking in anything. So how can any man complete, or in uh, some renders it might say, fill up the affliction that Jesus suffered on the cross? Paul is saying that it, Paul is saying that it is in his sufferings and in his flesh, that is in his actual suffering body, that he does share in Christ's afflictions. This means that God intends for the afflictions of Christ to be presented to the world through the afflictions of us, his people. God really means for the body of Christ, the church, to experience some of the suffering he experienced so that when we offer the Christ of the cross to people, they see the Christ of the cross in us. Christ suffered to accomplish salvation. This is simply put, Christ suffered to accomplish salvation. We suffer to spread salvation. And our willingness to endure hardship for the good of others is a completing of Christ's afflictions because it extends to them, to others, and makes it visible. Verse 25. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the world of God fully known. Is it a one-man job? to make Christ fully known into the entire world? Of course not. That would be an impossible task. However, it is our job to individually make the gospel known to as many people as we possibly can. I ask you this morning, how wide is your ministry? When is the last time you even thought to mention Christ and the good news of the gospel at your workplace? What about the ball field, the restaurant, or the Walmart line? Our responsibility is to minister to those that God puts into our lives in the here and in the now, not 
in the later and in the tomorrow. We need to be able to share our testimony based upon the word of God. We should be so familiar with God's word that no heretic in the world could sway us. Our feet should be so firmly planted upon scriptural truths that the decisions we make will naturally align themselves with God's viewpoint. Give God an opportunity to reach those in our realm of ministry by being completely submissive to do all he would have us to do. That should start today. That should start when we leave those doors. Verses 26 through 29. I'm going to read those together and then I will break those apart a little bit. The mystery hidden for ages and generations but is now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. These last verses that we will look, like, look at this morning deal with the subject of Paul's ministry, the subject. What is the message that Paul is proclaiming? Here, Paul's message has to do with a mystery. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that there are secrets God will never share. And it also says that um, there are some secrets that God will only reveal to certain people. Psalms 25, 14 says that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And Proverbs 3, 32 says that the Lord's secret is with the righteous. But here in verse 26, the word mystery means, it literally means something that was previously concealed and now has been revealed. This mystery was totally unknown by anyone in the Old Testament, but now is known by everyone in the church age. So I know you are dying to know, what is this mystery? This mystery is really a twofold mystery. First, uh, in 27, it says God wanted to make known among the Gentiles. Um, first, we see that the gospel of Christ, salvation, has now been proclaimed to the Gentiles. Well, who are the Gentiles? Well, if you don't know who the Gentiles are, just raise your hand. It's you and I. It's, it's anyone who's not a Jew. That is good news for us, guys. Salvation has now been proclaimed to us. This is, um, this is part one of the great mystery, that these outside heathens, that's us, these Gentiles, can somehow now be adopted into the family of God. This, by the way, should get us excited. This should drive us to tell others about our Lord and Savior. But there's a second part. The second part of this mystery is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. No longer is God one who rests upon his people for only a fleeting time and a fleeting moment, only to withdraw his spirit. No, now he abides in us permanently upon salvation. Again, what a blessing, what a privilege, one which should drive us to tell others about our Savior. Our mission is to tell everyone God puts in our path that God wants to come and live in them as he has came and lives in us. What a resource we have in Jesus. Do you need strength? Christ lives in you to give you strength. Do you need understanding? Christ now lives in you to give you understanding. Do you, 
um, do you need understanding? He lives in you to give you understanding. Do you need wisdom? He lives in you to give you wisdom. Are you really lacking in anything? Christ lives inside the believer, and his power is there inside of you. And we can draw from that great power at all times. What an awesome privilege. We truly have no excuses, believers, to be living defeated lives. Now verse 28. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 28 is really pretty straightforward. This verse simply addresses Paul's method of proclaiming his ministry. Simply put, Paul was a preacher. We are not all called to be preachers per se, but listen, we are all called to be proclaimers of the gospel. Some say, well, I will just leave a track of the gospel in the bathroom. Others say, well, I will just live a life that others will see Jesus in my actions. I'm not saying that these methods don't have merit or that they don't carry weight because they do. But that is not proclaiming Christ. To really proclaim Christ at some point we must open our mouth. Are you ashamed to tell others? Are you ashamed to tell others about Christ? Are you just scared to tell others? Do you feel like someone, anyone else can do it better than you? Well, no matter our excuses, what we are really saying here is that we are okay. Now get this. We are okay with people dying and living eternally in a real hell. Are you okay with that? Am I okay with that? I hope I'm not, and I hope you're not either. Remember, Christ lives in you, and you have his power to draw from to overcome any fear you have, including sharing the gospel with others. Teach others how to be saved. Teach them that. Warn the lost if they continue to live in their current state, the state of rejecting Jesus, a real hell awaits them. The stakes are too high for us just to remain silent. And finally, verse 29. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Verse 29 shows us Paul's end goal. Paul does have an end goal. Paul wants to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Perfect here means mature, full-grown, spiritually developed, to be literally Christ-like. It is evident throughout Paul's ministry that numbers, just for numbers' sake, was not Paul's end goal. It wasn't. How do we know this? Well, because he kept going back. He kept going back to those he had reached. Yes, he proclaimed everywhere he went, but time and time again we see Paul returning to the ones who, he, who had received the good news. We need not to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ, witness their conversion, and then abandon them by simply throwing them into a pack of wolves with no protection. Yes, it is our mission to proclaim, but we must go a step further and help build others up in their faith. Like Paul, we should strive to see people grow to full maturity in Christ. Just a warning about doing this, and this is a real warning, this process will cost you. It will. 
It will cost you time and it will cost you money. And it may be costly in many other ways, but those two things I can promise you it will cost. Are these two things, two things that you are willing to sacrifice to see others grow in Christ? I sure hope you are. I sure hope you are. I don't know where you are at this morning in this process. I hope, I hope you have just started the process. I hope you have initially received the good news that Paul dedicated his life to share to others. I really do. If not, today is the day into salvation. It really is. But maybe, maybe you have heard something here today that you say, you know what, I just need to go a little bit, one, one step further in that, in that direction. And, I, and, you know, only you and God know that. And that's okay for only you and God to know that. All I tell you is now act upon it. Act upon it. I don't feel like we need an invitation per se today. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to read one little sentence here. And then um, what I would like to do is bring the youth that are going to Kentucky um, and any of their parents who want to get up here around them, get them up here, and um, then get y'all up here, and we will pray for them as they go out. And the chaperones. And the chaperones, yeah. Really pray for the chaperones. <laughs> as we are growing, here's where I, where I will end. As we are growing in the ministry of proclaiming the mystery that Jesus lives in us and is the hope of glory, let us strive to fulfill the word of God as we suffer joyfully, realizing God is the one working in us mightily. Could we get the youth, the chaperones, the parents, gather them up here.